fruit of our, our study tonight out of soul print is the devil's workshop. So what we're going to do is, is that we're going to close our eyes. We're going to pray. And if you want to sneak out, the camera's going to find you. Okay, so I, I know. Why not? But, but, and don't turn us off, okay? There at home, we, we appreciate this. But, but here's, here's what I want to do. is I brought this stool here, and, and, and I really want to sit down and, and teach this because when I stand, I preach. When I sit, I teach. Really, you see that as biblical. When Jesus taught, he sat. When he taught the people. So, this is really, it, it sounds like it's going to be, you know, I'm just going to be working on you. But it really isn't, and, and it really is encouraging and such amazing insight that you're going to be able to receive this, this evening. So turning your Bibles to 2 Samuel 11, chapter, verse 1. And it says this, in the spring, boy, I can't wait for that already, <laughs> In the spring, at the time when the kings got, um, go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole um, is Israelite army. And a little later it says, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now, I, I love this study of, of psychology and the Joe Harry window is a tool that is used to enhancing self-awareness. There is all types of self-help and self-awareness books that are out there. I come across one that is really the best that I've ever found, and it is God's Word that we are in tonight. Well, in that, you know, Joe Harry window, it says that, that self-awareness, that relationships, that communication and personal develop, and, and the model are four areas, open, hidden, blind, and unknown. Now, that, that open area of your identity is the public arena. This is something that you know and everybody else knows. It is who you are when everybody is looking at you. Now, the second thing is the hidden area in this, this quadrum, and it, is, it holds the things that you know about you, but others don't know. This is who you are when no one is watching. The, the third part of that quadrant is the blind or the blind spot areas. We don't have any, do we? Any blind spots. And now, it contains things that others know about you, but you don't know about yourself. In that, we need to have people who could speak that truth into our lives and, and have that, uh, that courage to speak it. But always, as, as the Word says, speak the truth, but speak it in love. But speak it in love. But we need those kind of people because we all have those certain blind spots. And finally, there is that unknown area. And that contains things that the people don't know, 
you don't know. It is part of that, that quadrum is, that is made up of the invisible things that only God knows. The all-seeing eye of God. What he sees in you. And he sees that destiny that there is within you. See, the key in, in finding your, your soul print is allow Jesus to, well, to who would knit you, who knit you together, who understands you so very well, to allow him to bring his revelation into your life. I, I, I called that several years ago, that revelation knowledge, that the Holy Spirit is able to speak within us. Most people normally live within the two uh, first two quadrants, and they avoid the last two in which, well, it's, they kind of don't want to find out what others see and we don't. And sometimes we become afraid of what, what is God actually going to reveal. Now, when, when we start allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives in, in these arenas, something begins to happen because really freedom begins to happen. And, and that freedom is, is allowing the truth of who we are to come alive. Because often we, when we, we are our worst critics. We really are. And, and David, he understood this. And, and especially when it came to that point when, well, he had that little encounter with Nathan who, well, who saw past the royal facade of, of David. So what I want us to do this evening is I want us to look into 2 Samuel and see what it teaches us. First of all, do not have idle eyes or eyes for idols. See, see David, he missed the, the, the battlefield. You know, it's, it's like they say, once a Marine, always a Marine. You know, those who were, were in sports, you know, they, they always miss it. I, I jokingly say, the older I get, the better I was, you know. But, but I, I miss those days. I miss those days when I could run like the wind. I, I could run and just at a certain pace. I just wouldn't get tired. I could just run forever. Or, or even when I played football, I, I loved to be able to outrun those big guys like Joe Jackson, you know, who, who really wanted to hurt me and, and, and just outrun them to go for that touchdown. And, and I watched TV, and I, and I could feel that juice yet, just realizing that that is long long gone. Well, David, he missed that battlefield. So being king was, was becoming, well, he was a warrior, and he was getting bored. And boredom often leads to sin. It is the devil's workshop. And in 2 Samuel 11, verses 1 through 3, it says, in the spring, at the time when the kings go off the war, David sent Joab and with the, other, uh, with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Amalites and besieged um, 
Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got out from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. From that roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. See, when we disengage from the holy pursuit, we often re-engage in old habits. It's, I, um, I learned years ago in, in working in the 12-step program and helping people is, is that when they come out of, uh, they stop the drinking and, or the drugs and they, they've been going really great for several years, and sometimes they fall. But they don't fall back to the beginning. They fall back to where they left off. Hmm. And so we could get ourselves in trouble. Uh, I, I said a long time ago, the worst thing that God can ever do to me is to leave me unto myself. Because when he leaves me unto myself, and I don't have that guidance of the Holy Spirit, we, we all make bad choices. So anytime we take sinful shortcuts, we shortcut or short-circuit the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and, and what the fullness of life really is all about. Sin is selling God and yourself short. Do you hear that? A, a pastor once visited a, uh, the home of a man who wasn't in church for a while. So, so he knocked on the door and, and as he... The gentleman opened up the door. He realized it was pastor and invited him in. And the pastor didn't say a word yet. They sat down in, in the living room, and he had a fireplace going. And he was, he was rattling off every excuse that he had why he wasn't in church. He was automatically defenseless. But, but, but what happened was there was a hot ember that just popped out of the fireplace in front of them, and with these tongs, the pastor picked it up, didn't put it back in the fire, he just set it off to the side. And, and they looked at that amber for a while, and no one said a word. In a very short time, that amber just stopped glowing and got cold. And, and the gentleman looked at that amber, and he looked at that pastor, he said, thanks for preaching that sermon to me. He didn't say a thing to pastor. I'll be in church on Sunday. See, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share that faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. You know, this is why we need, you know, we, we think that once our kids are up and gone and they're living in their own lives and they have their own kids, they still need grandma and grandpa speaking into their lives. I, I, I cannot tell you how often I would remember seeing my grandmother who was United Methodist. And this United Methodist grandma, she, she, she what she was called... Years ago, 
was the shouting Methodist. This was a tongue-talking, spirit-filled woman of God. And she would be rocking in her, her rocking chair, and Grandma Pollock, her name was, just, just this short little Hungarian lady. And you, can, you knew that, that when she had that Bible open, she was praying, and you knew that she was praying. She was praying for every one of her kids and every one of her grandchildren. So this is why I remind you to fan into flames that spiritual gifts God has given you when I laid my hands upon you. For God has not given us the spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, of love, of self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. Never, ever be ashamed to share about what God is doing in our lives. Secondly, and this is really powerful, be morally honest. Our potential for sin it is well exceeded only by our potential for self-deception. You may not know this, but the person that we lie to the most is ourselves. Let, let me repeat that. The person in which you lie to the most is yourself. Madison writes this. The process of sanctification undeniably results in a few uh, fewer sins committed, but it's about more than sinning less. Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I, you know, we think, well, I haven't, I haven't sinned as much as I did yesterday and, and thinking that, well, we are doing great. Well, well, we're doing better. But it's also about coming to terms with just how sinful we are. Sanctification results in the heightened awareness of the sinful motivations that infect the actions we take and the decisions we make. Too often we underestimate our sinfulness, thereby underestimating God's righteousness. Hmm. Can I repeat that? Too often we underestimate our sinfulness, thereby underestimating God's righteousness. And when we downplay sin, we downplay the grace of God. Well, it's not as bad as so-and-so. Well, sin, sin. And, and what sin is, is that anything that separates us from our relationship with God. And it may seem just small, but a thousand-pound rock on our back in a, in a lake is going to drown us, and a thousand one-pound rocks on our back is going to do the same thing. David, now this is powerful, David's moral honesty is what made him a man after God's own heart. But, but look what David did. But David's moral honesty is what made him a man after God's own heart, not moral perfection. Hmm. Uh, maybe I should turn the, ask him to turn the camera off and say, is there anyone without sin 
would you please stand? Hmm. Well, no one's standing in the sanctuary, folks. And I don't think anyone's standing there in your home either. So after God-ordained encounter with Nathan, that prophet, David finds the courage to confess his sins. And Psalms 51 is, is one of those psalms that, that is so powerful because it takes us, well, behind the facade of everything that's going on in David's life and into that blind spot of his life. It is that raw honesty is all too rare. Sometimes I, I, I wish that maybe uh, we, we could all, on, on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday, th that we could do a, uh, an episode of maybe a 12-step. Everyone, we're going to all get together and we're going to say our names. My name is, and I am a. <laughs> well, we, uh, when, when I was, when I visited the, our 12 step here at the church a couple of weeks ago, so folks were saying, my name is so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. When I introduced myself, I told them, my name is Tom Ricosi, and I am a recovering sinner. Because we haven't arrived yet. You know, there, there was Enoch that was taken, and, 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 but we're not Enoch. So, so I, I read in Psalms 51, verses 3 through 5, it says, I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Don't be so upset that, that maybe you're losing your sleep or you're uneasy about that sin. Keeps coming back. Keeps coming back in your mind. I wish I wouldn't have. I wish I wouldn't have. I just want to get over it. I don't want to think about it. Celebrate that because it is the Holy Spirit that is speaking into your life and you are sensitive enough. It's not guilt is that you're sensitive enough to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And against you and only you, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proven right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Wow. Now, I want us to look at this third point. Is seek God's holy best at that time. How many of you can, can uh, uh, well, you're going to finish this out. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the, and all the kings could not, <laughs> you know that well. You ever feel like Humpty Dumpty? You feel like, man, I really blew it. I don't know if God could put this back together. Or at least we feel, well, I don't think I'm worthy of God putting this back together. But, but here's the beautiful thing. Even 
after that, well, the wake of that affair, David's dignity is destroyed. His heart is hard, and he reaches the end of his spiritual rope. And, and, and really, God is at the end of our spiritual rope. He'll use people. God used Nathan to be at the end of that spiritual rope to speak into him. Because God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You may abandon him. You may close your heart to him. You may turn your back on him. But he's always going to be there. And we cannot fix ourselves completely. I like a good work ethic. I love to see you know, people try to achieve everything that they can. It's Pastor James, you're watching our live streaming. I'm so proud of you that you ran so hard you started to bleed. That sounds crazy, isn't it? I like overachievers. And you break those blood vessels. In that, doing that, though, is, well, we can't fix ourselves, folks. Because what we will do is we will harm ourselves. Our human best is not good enough. You can't do it alone. What I love about you women is, is that you, you will seek help to anybody. You talk to the mailman coming to the door. I got mail. Hey, can we talk? You know, don't even know the guy or the woman. You know, we men, we won't talk to anybody unless, well, we trust them too that we know that they already have the answer. Because I'm not going to divulge my my shortcomings to someone who really can't help me. We don't do that very well. But I want you to know that when God is revealing these things to us through the work of the Holy Spirit, God is really saying, I have something very good for you. C.S. Lewis once said, when I invited Jesus into my life, I thought he was going to put up some wallpaper, hang a few pictures, but he started knocking uh, out walls and adding rooms. I said, I was expecting a nice cottage, but he said, I'm making a palace in which to live. You see, King David didn't just live in the palace. He was the palace. We are the habitation of the presence of God. So, so I remind myself and I remind people when, when I'm talking to them at times one-on-one and then they're talking about the shortcomings within their lives and, and it says, do you understand that wherever you go, God goes with you. Whatever you say, God hears. Whatever you watch, God sees. Whatever you think, God knows and understands. But, but we may be frightened of that 
And maybe it should somewhat, because then maybe that will give us a second thought about doing something that we shouldn't be doing. But also, it should remind us, it's saying he's right there with us, and he's there to be able to help us. In 1 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5, says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living, you are a living stone that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please him. And instead of struggling to give our human best. Let's allow the Lord to maybe do some remodeling. What is it that you want to do? I, through this whole pandemic thing, and even with this crazy shingle thing that I have, and, and found out yesterday that Pastor David Green has shingles now. Well, and I'm sure he's watching. I want you to know, Pastor David, we are praying for you. For a while, I was, the pain was so miserable, I was praying, let this be gone. I'm going to get out of this. It, and we're probably saying that, too, with the pandemic, with the craziness of politics and everything that's going on in our world that is crazy. I can't wait for 2021. But the truth really should be, Lord, don't remove it. But what do you want to teach me in this? How can I grow in this whole thing? Psalms 51 is used daily in the Jewish prayer liturgies. But, but one verse is particularly, verse 17 is repeated three times a day in a prelude to their silent prayer. And it reminds us of not only our brokenness, but also of God's holiness. Now listen to this. It says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. See, what that leads to us is let God use your brokenness. It is often within our tragedies or in our pain that God reveals himself and we find our soul print. We find out who we are and where we discover our, well, our destiny. I, I love at times <laughs> to be with some people who are really going through some really tough times in their lives. Because those individuals that I have seen that their spiritual walk was stronger then than any other time. I, I saw the depth of, of their soul. I shared this a while back. I shared again. I visited a retired missionary who was having a leg amputated. It was was painful experience that she had to go through. But but she says, I, I celebrate that pain because when I was in a mission field, I used to work with the lepers. 
And they would have parts of their body decaying away, and they would never fill it. And I celebrate that I have this gift of filling that God has given to me. Now, when I was in a hospital ready to pray for her, I'm not sure that I qualified. Because, see, I saw the depth of her walk and the compassion for other people because of what she was going through. It wasn't about her. It was about the work of the kingdom. And I prayed for her. Then she, in her very little gentle voice, said, could I pray for you, Pastor? And she prayed for me. And, and I was thinking, who came to minister to who at that moment? Hmm. See, where, where a man's wound is, observed Robert Vi in his book, Iron John, that is where his genius will be. You see, at times, church, it is in our brokenness is where we thrive the most. It's in our sorrow times where we can grow the most. It's in our pain in which God could use us the most because we are able to be more in tune for the presence of God and more so it will teach us how to help others. In 2 Corinthians verse one, chapter 1, verse 4 says, He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. There is that, that, that joy that God is able to give us when, when we have those hidden moments, those things that God reveals, those Nathan moments that Nathan spoke to David in that shortcoming, that sin is revealed on our lives and we begin to see, to feel the brokenness of it, but then we also begin to realize that God is there. And in that grace filled moment. God is able to remind us who he is and what he desires to do in our lives. And in that, we have that compassion to touch others' lives. The word says that, that he forgets when he forgives us our sins. I don't know how that really works because he's God. How could God forgive something? But here's, here's, but I can't. But what I do know is that that sting is gone, but that memory is there to remind me what that sin tried to do to everything around me. And then when I realize that, that's when we are able to help others who have fallen. People really don't like the ideas of, of Christians coming in their, their spiritual um, uh, superiority to be able to speak to them because 
they are already feeling the heaviness of their own sorrow. They don't need to see something like that. But when we come to them in a compassionate way and in understanding their brokenness and in speaking or, or even just being with them, God, the Holy Spirit, is able to do something in our lives. The Psalms are pure genius. David's pain was turned into our comfort by the will of God. You, you all have heard of the program Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving. It has saved many lives by their efforts and awareness and what they have done in dealing with drunk driving. They have recruited over the years three million people to help them and help people to stop driving drunk. But sometimes we don't know about why and how that, that started. It, it was out of a tragedy. The founder, Candy Leitner, lost her 13-year-old daughter to a drunk driver when she could have been so caught up in her anger, her sorrow, her bitterness. She turned that around and she used it to help people. You see, that's, that's what the work of the Holy Spirit does. I know that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who hasn't? But let's not allow that sin to be used as a weapon that Satan could use to beat us. Let's allow that healing, that grace, that mercy to be used of a way that God not only could restore us, but that we can touch others' lives in it. As David, because when, when you read the Psalms of David, there are those songs that he often spoke about his brokenness. Sometimes our destiny is revealed in moments that cause great joy. But sometimes our destiny is revealed in broken moments that literally rob our joy. David said this in Psalms 51.8, Give me back my joy again. That's, that's the burden of sin that it robs us of that joy. And he felt the heaviness, the weariness of it. He says, Lord, give me back that joy again. And his songs, over and over and over again, he sung about that, about that joy that he had. And if you feel like your joy has been stolen, you're not alone, my friend. Actually, your pain hurts him much more than it hurts us. So give it time. Let God allow that work of his spirit to be done within us. Give him that opportunity. Redeem your pain by allowing God to use your brokenness. Just like, well, the shepherd broke the legs. You know when you see a picture of a shepherd and he's carrying a sheep around his shoulders? You know what he actually did is that he, that's 
that sheep was going astray so often. And, and when a sheep goes astray, and if they have too much wool, and it's called a cast sheep, and they would fall and roll over on their back. And the gases will build up, and they can't get back up on their feet. But at the same time, if they were on their feet, they can't defend themselves from predators. They don't have the claws in their feet to defend themselves. They don't have the teeth that are sharp to be able to rip and tear. They chew. And so what that shepherd would do is that he would take that sheep and he would break its leg where it couldn't walk. And he would carry it till that leg heals so that sheep can learn that he needs to be near the shepherd. You see, let that brokenness in your life draw you to be close to the shepherd because he will protect you. He will build you. And, and here's something, uh, a saying that I learned decades ago when I was going to school to become a counselor. It was through Dr. Richard Dobbins out of Emerge Ministries. And he said this, Satan builds the strongholds in our lives by silence. When we break the silence, we break the stronghold. Don't spend your time in praying and asking God to change your circumstances. Instead, ask God to use your circumstances to change you. I want the pandemic over. But Lord, do something in me within it. I want the sorrow of this, this, this sin that has lingered in my life and it's breaking me. Spirit of God, don't just remove it. Restore and renew and teach me through it. It's, it's, it's like it's something just gone. And I thank God that there's times people's addictions are, could be just gone, just like that. That's miraculous. But it's often working through the transition that teaches us that much better. Restores us. Psalms 107.2 says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. Sin is your enemy. But here's the good news in Romans 6, 14 says, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. See, if, if there's anything that, that we need to learn about ourselves, is yes, we fall short of the glory of God. And I just don't want to get over it and say, well, by the grace of God, he'll forgive me. And, and says, go on. I, I says, Lord, teach me through this. Teach me what, what it prevented from happening in my life. Teach me of understanding what it wanted to stop from me receiving from the Lord. I, I want to learn what I was going to be, well, robbed from. 
when, when someone has done something horrible to you, maybe they stole something that you worked for for years to have, and they took it. It's like that cyber crimes. They just emptied your bank account, and you're so angry. He said, Lord, teach me how to replace that anger with your joy, with your presence. I don't understand always how it happens exactly, but I've seen it happen enough that I know the grace of God is doing this craziness that was going on in our world today. There was a, a this past year, 2020, there was a, a, a woman police officer that shot someone in their home, but she thought it was her home, and she ended up killing them. In her jury, when she went to trial, the brother of that individual looked at the judge and he says, can I get up out of this seat and go over to her? Put my arms around her and to forgive her and give her this Bible. The judge, this is very highly unusual, but he allowed it to happen. And people were in absolute awe of that moment. Her sin was forgiven by that family. You see, God wants to restore us. But not only he wants to restore us, he wants that restoration to be used in restoring others. That's the work of the kingdom. That's why the idea and that restoration in our lives when we confess our sins one to the other. With the other doesn't have to bring condemnation. It brings unity of spirit. It says, now what are we going to do with this? How are we going to make it work for the kingdom of God? Because often it's when I realize what I lost or could have lost that I cherish the most. And when I realize that I could lose eternity, great concern and fear can come upon us. So allow the Holy Spirit to work. Speak it out loud. Don't allow that silence become a stronghold. Speak it to God. Speak it to someone that you trust. Let there come that unity and that oneness. And let's see the healing come not only in your lives, but in the lives of so many other people who are just like 